Well, church, I am so glad to be with you today as we kick off a new series called On the Mend. Uh, during this series, uh, we're going to explore some biblical principles and practices for how it is that we can mend broken relationships, relationships with people uh, close to us, maybe a spouse, child, uh, parent, uh, mend relationships within our community, within our church family, within our workplace, within our neighborhood, even mending relationships with ourselves as we think about our own past and history. And as we think about uh, uh, those uh, relationships that are broken, even as I'm saying this out loud, I, I know how you feel. And so kind of before we begin, I just want to take a moment and I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm not going to do anything weird, but I would ask that you would close your eyes and that you would imagine that broken relationship. Allow, allow the Lord to bring it to mind. Maybe it's someone that you recently have grown at odds with. Maybe it's someone who has perhaps abandoned or betrayed or abused. Perhaps it's a fight even on the way over here today, whatever that relationship is, would you just let the Lord bring it to mind? Now, I want you to remember last Sunday. Last Sunday, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And one of the things that we talked about is that Christians, when they're at their best, are the fools who believe in God's power to bring dead things back to life again. Easter is a celebration of God bringing that which is dead back to life. And so in that, in that relationship that the Lord has brought to mind, what might it look like for the resurrection power to bring life into that relationship once more? There is hope. There is hope. The resurrection of Jesus tells us that there is hope even for the most broken aspects of our lives. There is hope. My prayer for you and for myself today as, as a church family as we go through this study over these weeks to come is that not only would we be equipped and empowered to engage in forgiveness and reconciliation, but also that we would see the beauty of God on display, his power to bring death into life, his power to raise relationships back from the dead because the resurrection power is powerful to bring healing in everything, every aspect of our lives, including the ones that, at least for me, that I have given up on. And so there is hope. So uh, for the duration of our, uh, this series, we're going to go through different portions of Scripture, and, and we're going to be looking at uh, principles and practices for forgiveness and reconciliation. And I want to just give kind of a caution to uh, our hope is that, that you would receive these, uh, the, the, these teachings from the Word of God and that you would put them into practice, but I want to give a caution if that's okay. Um, mending broken relationships with others and with ourselves, uh, if we go in um, 
not prepared, if we go in in maybe a hasty way, we can oftentimes do more damage than good. So here's my caution. Depending on the nature of the brokenness in the relationship, depending on how close the person is, depending on how deep the wounds, uh, my encouragement to you would be to make sure that you're praying and thinking through what the wisest, most loving way to approach this will be. Because sometimes, at least for me, I can hear, um, I can hear, you know, God's word. I can hear some encouragement, and then I can go get in my car. And I'm like, we're gonna, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it right now. And sometimes that can be actually it can cause more pain especially if the other person is not in a position to receive that. And so I want to just encourage you to be cautious, you be wise and loving as we seek to apply these principles. And then second, the deeper the wound and the closer the relationship, the more likely that we're going to need a, a third party to be involved. Uh, whether that's just a coach or a mentor, whether that's a, a moderator or a mediator, whether that's a, a counselor or uh, a minister, whether that's a, a ministry like um, Celebrate Recovery or Mending the Soul or just however as a church family we can help you, we want to be available to you. And so we can connect you with counselors and mediators and moderators, pa- uh, folks to do pastoral care. We can, we can help connect you with different ministries that are available just depending on where you're at and what your need is. And so uh, if, there's, if there comes a time where you're like, I, I just I need to get connected with somebody, uh, you can, uh, on the back of the seat in front of you, if you're, if you're here in the room, there should be like a next steps card. You can use that, just write on that, drop it in the metal boxes on your way out. You can always text in to us, call the office. For those of you who are online, you can just link to our website at dsbc.church there and connect with us that way. Uh, Our hope and desire, in fact, our mission is to equip you to take your next steps with Jesus, whatever that may be. And we know that Jesus calls us in not only to reconciliation with God, but also reconciliation with one another. And so uh, we're going to move in that regard. Now, I, I, I would like to talk to you about my favorite shirt. Is that okay? Do you guys have a favorite garment? Anyone have a favorite garment? Favorite pair of jeans, right? Favorite, favorite dress or blouse, favorite, favorite. I, I don't really care about jeans and pants. I, I, for me, it's a shirt. I've got just a handful of like favorite shirts. So what do you guys have? You guys have favorites? Does anyone have favorite shorts? I feel like shorts are like, yeah, you got favorite, Melinda's got favorite shorts. Okay, so okay. So I, I okay. So uh, here's the problem though. When it fits just right, when, it's, when, 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 we, when we love it, the, the problem is we wear it all the time, by and large. I get that there's fancy outfits and things like that. Uh, I don't have any, but I hear people do. And, 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 but if you've got like a favorite shirt, you, 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 you like wear it a lot. And here's the problem. You love it, and so you, you are with it a lot. The problem is, is that because you're with it a lot, the opportunity for it to tear increases. Right? Because you're wearing it a lot, because you love it. Now, if you tear a shirt or, or a, you know, a garment or whatever that you don't really care about, right? Like you're run of the mill, whatever, what do you do with it? You, you, you tear the t shirt, what, what, where does it go? It goes in the trash, you get yourself another one. But your favorite garment, your favorite, you get a tear in it, and what do you do? You try to mend it, right? You try to mend it. For me, I, I literally have a shirt that I've had for 18 years. And here's the problem. Are you familiar with the, the, with the term pit stain? <laughs> and it's like, it's like white cake in this 
vector of that favorite shirt. And every time I'm going through my closet, I look at that shirt and I'm like, I, I want to mend our relationship, but you changed. You've grown recalcitrant. And I'm just waiting for someone to come out with the magic, you know, pit stain remover. And when I finally get that, oh my goodness, the relationship will be healed, right? Uh, in the same way, when we love someone, we strive to mend them. We don't want to throw it away. We want to work to mend. But here's the problem for me. Uh, on occasion, maybe once or twice, I've gotten sideways with somebody. It's happened twice. <laughs> or more. Uh, in fact, it, in, the, in the last year, it happened more than once. How about you? Did it happen more than once for you guys too? Anybody? So here's the deal. I, I, I actually was, um, was with a mentor of mine. Uh, he and I have been meeting for years for breakfast, and, and I'm, I'm sitting across the table from him, and, 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 um, and, and I was lamenting and also venting, like lamenting. You guys are familiar with it. You're sad, but you're also angry, and you're just kind of lamenting. And, and, um, and, and he stopped me, and I was... I was, I was I was lamenting about a, a broken relationship, and I was just angry, and, and, and that's when I get hurt, it, it expresses itself in anger, usually, is my tendency. And, and so he, 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 he stops me, and, and he, his posture changes, and I was like, this is not going to be fun. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever had a relationship like that with a mentor, and I'm like, this is not going to be fun. And he says, Caleb, he says, stop. He stopped me. He says, stop, Caleb. You are argumentative. I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> he said, you butt in, you talk over people, and you interrupt. And I said, let me stop you right there. <laughs> he said, you use your words. When you're upset and when you're threatened, you start attacking and you start overpowering people with your words. And no one wants to listen to that. And I said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life, you idiot. So he was wrong, and today's sermon is going to be about how he was wrong. He was absolutely right. That's exactly what I do. You see, when I get put on the back foot, when I feel offended, when I feel afraid, when I feel disrespected, when I feel, uh, uh, when I feel like somebody's not taking me seriously, when I feel fear, when I feel anxiety, when I feel all of those things, my default is to power up and attack because I don't like feeling like I'm on the back foot. I don't like feeling like I'm offended. I don't like feeling weak. And the room goes quiet. I'm not hearing anyone say, Caleb, no. No, I know you. I'm not hearing anyone say that. My parents are in the room. I'm not hearing anything coming from their space right now. So maybe my mentor was onto something. So here's what we're going to do today for the, for the first sermon in this series, is you guys are actually going to help me write it, because uh, I'm still learning. So I'm going to need your help putting this sermon together. So, so I'm going to have you help me put this sermon together. Uh, if, if that is, is, that, is, that, is that okay? I got my highlighter and my pen, and I've got my, I've got, I like to print out the text when I'm studying the Bible. I like to print it out and make little notes. Those are the notes from first hour. Um, they didn't do very good, so you guys are going to need to... Step up the game, okay? 
You need to step up your game. So uh, what we're going to do today is we're going to think about together, and you guys are going to help me put this sermon together, we're going to think about our posture. So even just before we get into the practices and principles of forgiveness and reconciliation, we need to kind of think about what's our posture, what's our motive, what's, what's our perspective going to be about how we're going to behave as we move into spaces of forgiveness and reconciliation. And, uh, and we're going to look at a, uh, in a, a book of the Bible called Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today. If you guys have a Bible, I'd encourage you to open to Romans chapter 12. If you're not sure where Romans is, at, probably at the beginning of your Bible, there's maybe a table of contents. And Romans is in the New Testament. It's kind of like in the kind of near the beginning or middle part of the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible and would like one, there's some available on the tables in the back. And I just heard that you can download a Bible on your phone. Isn't that great? And so if you guys want to download the Bible app, uh, you can just navigate to Romans uh, chapter 12. Uh, and you guys are, you know, I'll have it up on the screen too. So if you don't have your Bible with you, that's totally fine. But I'm going to need your help because we're all putting this sermon together today together, right? Sure. You know, with that kind of lack of enthusiasm, you should attend first hour, Diane. If any of the first hour people are watching online, I'm making jokes. Okay, let's go. So, uh, so we're in Romans chapter 12, and we're going to think about uh, what our posture is towards division. Now, here's the deal. Here's the context of Romans. The, uh, pa- Pastor Paul was this guy who uh, was actually um, didn't like Jesus, didn't like Jesus' followers. He actually kind of, like, he, the word is persecuted. He had some of them killed. And, and, and one day, he meets Jesus in this pretty phenomenal way, and he turns from himself. He turns from sin. He repents and believes the gospel, and he believes the good news that Jesus is who he says he is. And so he starts following after Jesus. And one of the things that Jesus does in this dude Paul's life is he calls him to be a pastor, which is like mind-blowing that God would take someone who's so uh, turned against God, who does turn towards him, but then he calls him to be a pastor. And so uh, Pastor Paul, right, he's writing to these different churches, and he's writing this church in a place called Rome. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Rome. It's this little backwoods town in Italy. So at the time, Rome was the biggest, it was the biggest empire at the time. They had the biggest army. They were, they were the, as far as I can uh, tell at the time, they were the most powerful empire in the world. And Rome was the epicenter of power. And so he's writing to a group of people who are in this super metropolitan place, right? There's all different types of people. And guess what? Because of the power of the gospel, all different types of people started turning from their sin and turning towards Jesus. And so these local churches started forming, and they were made up of a bunch of misfits. Uh, They were not together because they all had the same amount of money. They weren't all together because they all had the same political views. They weren't together because they were all the same ethnicity. The thing that they had in common was Jesus. And so you had within these small, and they usually would meet in a the house, there'd be like 30 or 50 people, and they'd, they'd sing, and they'd hear from, from the word, and they would, they would share with one another, and then they would take communion together, which is kind of what we do, except for we're just in a little bit, a little bit larger space. But here in Rome, there's, this, there's these groups of misfits that have uh, a, a diversity of uh, a socioeconomic class, so the rich and the poor, uh, a, a, a diversity of ethnicity. So there's, all, there's Roman citizens, there's non-Romans, there's, there's Jews, there's, there's non-Jews, there's Greeks. There's, there's even in some of these churches people who used to be at war with Rome. And so you've got like, you've got all this, 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 this these bunch of misfits together. You have, you have slaves, you have slave owners, you, you, you have a men and women, you have leaders in the community, you have the, 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 those who have no power, and they're all coming together and they're all bound together by Jesus. Now, I want you just to imagine, could you imagine with all of that diversity, with all that, all that mix up, 
Could you at all ever imagine that there might ever be a conflict or broken relationships that need to be mended? I mean, since we're putting this sermon together, maybe you can help me. I don't have any illustrations yet because we haven't put the sermon together. Maybe you could help me with, you know, putting this sermon together as you are. Could you ever imagine a cultural moment where differing political views would cause broken relationships? Could you imagine that happening? Uh, not here, of course, but, but, but one might imagine that that would happen. How about, could you ever imagine a scenario where, like, a bunch of, like, like different ethnicities being together with their different cultural upbringings and preferences, kind of like in close proximity, could you at all imagine that causing conflict? Maybe. Very good. Okay, I'm going to write these down, okay? So you got ethnic diversity. What was the other thing that we said? Political? Yeah, and could you ever imagine a scenario in which the poor resented the rich and the rich resented the poor? Like, could that ever be a thing? Yeah, so there's all these, all these different types of people that Jesus brought together, and then he called them family, and it was happily ever after. In fact, my, I'm going to argue that, see, there's that arguing piece again. I'm going to argue that outside of the Gospels and, and maybe one or two other portions, the majority of your New Testament is, is written because a bunch of different people were brought together in proximity, bound together by the love and grace of God, made known to us through Jesus, and then they had to figure out how the love and grace of God overcame all of their socioeconomic, ethnic, and political differences. And so let's see what Romans 12 has to say to us. Uh, Pastor Paul totally believes in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and he totally believes and is arguing here in the text that we should live in light of the resurrection. Uh, one commentator says that Paul is advocating for a lived theology. So this is not just mental assent, this is not just beliefs, it's not just a, a creed I say. What, what you'll find in Romans and, and the majority of the New Testament is that the resurrection, belief in the resurrection radically transforms how I live, how I think, how I speak, how I relate to others. It's a lived theology, it's not just mental assent, and I think you're going to see some of that here. Okay, so we're all working on this sermon together, so I'm going to need to hear from you guys here in a minute. You guys ready? Uh, therefore, time out, you have got to remind me to tell you about that therefore. Okay, we ain't ready yet. But I want to covenant together with you that, that you're going, I'm gonna forget. I get all flighty and rabbit trail and it's crazy. I'm gonna need your help in remembering, kind of, kind of in a little while, uh, to remember the therefore. Is that okay? Can you guys help me remember? What are we gonna help remember? Therefore, okay, we're going to remember that therefore, because it's at the beginning of the chapter, but it's not the beginning of the book, okay? Uh, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's, what's the word? Mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Time out. That's weird. Everyone say, that's weird. That's weird. It is weird. We're going to talk about it here in a minute. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Okay, so in Rome, everyone knew what worship meant, and it wasn't singing. You see, for us modern Americans, which we're totally weird, by the way, modern uh, people in Western culture, we're super weird. But one of the things that is super weird about uh, especially American evangelical culture is that when we say the word worship, what we tend to conjure up in our mind is what? Singing. And singing is an expression of worship, but that is not 
how the biblical authors imagined worship. Worship was, and any Roman citizen knew what worship was. Worship was is you, you, you take something, an animal, money, some sort of good or service, some sort of uh, produce, something that you made, and you take it to a temple, to whatever god or gods that you desire to worship, and then you leave the thing there. You give it over to the god or gods that you're there to worship. You might sacrifice it on an altar. You might burn it. You might give it to a priest or something like that. For, for, for most of the Roman citizens, the act of worship that they would imagine was not predominantly singing. It was sacrifice. It was giving up of something, devoting it to the gods. Now, notice what Paul does. What does he say to the Roman citizens? You, therefore, are to offer your what? Your whole self, not something that you have, not your pen or your little clicky thing. You don't take something. You take your whole self, and your whole self is devoted to God. Do you see what he's saying? Now, Paul did something very helpful. He used the word living sacrifice. Thanks be to God. Right? Paul here is not talking about hurting yourself or, 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 or some sort of cut, like, cut, like cutting yourself in, a, in an act of worship or, or treating your body as you might treat a, sacrifice, a sacrificial animal. By no means. He's, he's more uh, 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 leveraging the idea of total devotion to the God that you are to worship. And here he's saying, in light of what Jesus has done, in light of who Jesus is, offer your whole self as your spiritual act or your true and proper act of worship. Okay, so I like singing. I think we should keep singing. But our whole life is worship. Do you see it? Okay, let's keep going. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Notice what it says. Do not be conformed. Do not conform to the what? What is, you guys are helping me put this sermon together now, what is the pattern of this world? Division? Leveraging up? Self-seeking? Totally owning them? I don't know how many times I have heard grown-ups say, we're going to own the fill-in political party I don't like. And all of the headlines that grown-ups are writing and reading is like, so-and-so got totally owned. That's trash. That is the pattern of this world. When I have conflict with people, according to the pattern of this world, what do I do? I dominate. I lift myself up and I smash them down. That's the pattern of this world. Throughout the scriptures, you will see the language of not uh, the, the, the kingdom of God and the kingdom or kingdoms of this world. You want to see the pattern of this world? Just look around. Do you guys remember when we used to go to the grocery store? And by the way, praise be to God for Instacart. I don't know what we were doing before. I mean, you can do the thing on the phone and then they bring it out to your car and I don't have to pass the cookie aisle? I've already lost 27 pounds. Thank you. Right? But back when we used to go to the grocery store, you'd be standing in the checkout aisle uh, the, the checkout lane, and on your left and right were the patterns of this world. There were about eight and a half by 11 glossy photos telling you how you ought to behave, how you have to reconcile, how you have to treat other people, how you should think about yourself as the patterns of this world. It's all over the place. And so when we, especially when we engage in conflict, we're not to be conforming ourselves to the patterns of this world, but rather be transformed 
By the renewing of what? Now, what does that mean? You know what renew your mind means in the original languages? To have your mind renewed. <laughs> right? When we are behaving, we are living our thinking. When we are behaving, we are living our thinking. Uh, it, it starts for, for the most part, for the most part. I know that there's different uh, takes on this, but for the most part, in my broken relationships, when I respond, when I react, when I power up, when I try to dominate, when I try to argue, when I try to control, when I try to... It's stemming from some sort of broken thinking in my mind, thinking about myself, thinking of my thinking about God, my thinking about the other person, how I've classified them. All of that behavior is coming from a mind. And here, Pastor Paul says, don't conform to the patterns of this world. Rather, because of Jesus and by the power of Jesus and through his spirit in you, be transformed by what? The renewing of what? Your mind, see? Notice what it says next. For by the, what's the word? Grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Remember, you guys were just about to remind me. Paul said, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? You were about to remind me, the renewing of the mind. And notice what he's about to say, what he says right now. He's talking about how you think. How you think about what in particular? Yourself? Yourself? Right? He's actually going to go into how we think about other people too. But check this out. By the grace of God, okay, all, all, okay. All forgiveness and reconciliation stands on the foundation of the grace of God. Okay, so Easter is the foundation of forgiveness and reconciliation. If we try to go into forgiveness and reconciliation with other motives, we will likely do more harm than good. But my, our minds, he calls us to renew our minds, to transform our minds so that we see ourselves, the other person, and God in alignment with how God thinks about those people. So one of the questions I want to ask is, am I thinking about myself the way God thinks of me? Am I thinking about the person that I'm at odds with the way God thinks about them? And am I thinking about God as God thinks about God? Namely, does God have the capacity and power to actually bring healing in this space? Let's keep going. Uh, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Is there a word? What would be like a good word? It's maybe it would start with H, like, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. What would be, what's that? Yeah, but, the, but the other way, like the opposite, like the, maybe the H word, um, haberdashery, would you say? Yeah, humility, humility. Okay, so we're going to write that down. Okay, so one of the things I want to remember about my posture when I go into broken relationships is humility. Okay, that's, that's helpful. Okay, so, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. So, so Pastor Paul doesn't say, don't think of yourself too highly, think of yourself lowly. He doesn't say that, does he? He says, think about yourself how? Honestly, with sober judgment, right? In accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. So I'm going to think about the other person, I'm going to think about myself, in alignment with, I want my mind about them and me to be in alignment with how God thinks about them and me. All right? So, is there any practical application? Let's continue on. This is in verse 9, and we'll just kind of go through these. Uh, love must be what? Have you ever seen children? Anybody seen kids? Seen them about? 
And uh, when you see children, sometimes when they're together, um, uh, they'll, they'll cross one another. You guys ever seen this? And then maybe a parent will come by and say, um, you know, you need to go ask for forgiveness. And, and, and you guys have maybe stopped me if you've heard this one, but the, the kid's like, I'm sorry. Do you forgive me? You guys seen this before? Love must be what? Sincere. Love must be sincere. The problem is, is it ain't just in kids. I mean, we learn it as kids, but we constantly have to allow the Spirit of God to be renewing our mind so that we don't conform to the patterns of this world. Hmm? Okay, let's keep going. Uh, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. In your broken relationships that you imagined just a moment ago, is your tendency and my tendency to do this or the opposite of this? To cling to what is evil and hate what is good. Quiet right now. Okay, let's keep going. It's gonna get worse, okay? Let's keep going. Be devoted to one another in what? Love, honor one another <laughs> above yourselves? Honor even my enemies? Does anyone have a Bible? Is that actually in there? Is it in there? <sighs> okay, let's keep going. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Okay, that's weird. That's kind of weird language, but the, but the idea is this. They're trying to, the translators are trying to capture this, this, um, this uh, 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 Greek idiom that, that, that you're to keep your relationship with God at a boiling at a boiling point. You guys ever made pasta? And like, you, you, you gotta get that water boiling, right, before you put the, before you put the pasta in, don't you? And, and what he's saying is, don't let the brokenness that you're experiencing cool the relationship with God. But rather, keep your relationship with God at a boil. And out of that fervor, out of that good, deep relationship with God, live, right? Okay, so uh, let's keep going. Uh, serving the Lord, okay? Uh, be joy. You know when I'm not, when I feel offended, when I feel accused, when I feel betrayed, or when I've done that to other people, you know what I, I'm not? Joyful or hopeful. You know what else I'm, I'm not? Patient, especially when I'm feeling like afflicted. And you know what I'm definitely not? Faithful in prayer. Now that's actually not true. Are you familiar with the term imprecatory prayer? It's a way to define the, some of the prayers that we see in the Bible uh, that, that, that here, here's an imprecatory prayer. God, please destroy them. <laughs> hmm? And I know that when I feel offended, when I feel like betrayed, when I feel accused, when I feel like there's a rift in the relationship, I am fervent in prayer. Smite them, right? There's a country song, and I don't listen to country because it's evil, but there's a country song that somebody told me about one time. And, and, I, and I can't remember the name of it. It's something like, you know, growing up, Mama always told me to pray for my enemies. And I think he's talking to, like, an uh, ex-girlfriend or something. He says, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm praying that your car breaks down. I'm praying that your dog dies. I'm praying that you get fired from your job. I'm praying for you. So next time you say to someone, I'm praying for you, you might want to ask, which category of prayer... <laughs> Are you asking for, right? Faithful in prayer, even for the other Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. You know what I love to do 
when I'm in a broken relationship with somebody, I can't do it out loud because of my job, but I love to curse. I love to call down the wrath of God on them, right? I curse you. I actually drive in front of people's houses. I say, I curse you. Some of you are like, that was his car in front of my house? It's been a while since I've done that. Okay, so bless those, even those who persecute you. And then he doubles down. Bless and don't what? Curse. Don't curse them. Don't be a curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. This is talking about solidarity. Oh, my goodness. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate even with people of low position. When I am hurt by people, when I, am, when I hurt other people, when I'm at odds with other people, I actually, I'm not just at odds with them, but in my mind, I start to form a caricature of them, and I don't even want to associate with their type of people. And yet here, because of the renewing of the mind that comes through Jesus, I... I'm to be willing to associate even with those of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of whom? Even the person I'm at odds with? Hmm. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Notice that if, as, long as, it, as much as it depends on you. Do you notice this is so realistic? I love Pastor Paul because he's applying the resurrection power and transformation to our lives, but he's also super realistic because we can't always reconcile, can we? Right? But what he says is, and this is, a, if, if maybe you, you're familiar with it, but in, in a lot of the different recovery programs, there's a phrase, you got to keep your side of the street clean. Right? You can do what you can do. You can own what you can own, and you're, they're responsible for what's on them. Right? As far as it relates to me, I'm going to step into this space. But if they're not willing to come forth, that's on them. That's not on me. Right? But as far as it relates to me, as far as it relies on me, I'm going to live in peace. I'm going to be a peacemaker with those even who I'm at odds with. And that's not always uh, available to us. Do not take revenge. My dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Now, when I, um, that makes me happy, by the way. Right, am I right? This is part of my imprecatory prayer, because I'm praying, Lord, vengeance is yours, so (laughs) waiting on the Lord, waiting, waiting, waiting. When am I going to see that vengeance? But here's the deal, I think, and especially based on what Paul has written up to this point in Romans is this, that the wrath and vengeance of God has been poured out on Christ. Hmm. On the contrary, because of what we just said, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Finally, I get my blowtorch and I cook up some sweet hot coals and I give them food and I give them water and then I'm like, bam, hot fire. Now you guys are helping me put this sermon together. Do you think that's what that means? I kind of wish it did, but it would kind of contradict the rest of the stuff we've been reading. Now, one of you are about to say, I could sense this, uh, one of you are about to say that probably this is an, uh, an ancient Near East idiom or a turn of phrase like, you know, we have those in America, like, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. 
And the heaping hot coals on someone's head may actually uh, be an idiom that describes what happens when you're kind to someone who's done evil and they feel remorse and their face uh, uh, goes flush or their, their face uh, goes red and their, their body is responding to how they're feeling and they're feeling remorse. And it, it could be that that's what Pastor Paul here is saying is you're going to respond to evil with good and it may even be that the person would feel remorse for how they've treated you. Maybe. Do not, okay, this is it. Do not over, be overcome by evil, but what? Overcome evil with good. Could you imagine a scenario in which people who have been wronged use the wrong that they've experienced to justify wrongdoing to someone else? Have you ever seen children? You've seen them? Uh, and have you ever seen children behave in such a fashion that one like take something from this child and then this child punches that child. You guys seen this? And then you go to the, the, the puncher and, and you say, uh, hey, what, what happened? Well, they did it first. That's answering evil for evil. And here's the problem. It's not just kids. It is the pattern of this world's system to answer evil for evil. Rather, because of who Jesus is and because of the resurrection, we are to answer evil with good. And instead of allowing the evil to overcome us, we overcome evil with good. So I'm going to make some notes. This is going to be a great sermon one day. And as we think about our lived theology, I, I, might, just, I might just pause here and say that for me, as I think about my broken relationships, which I... I do have. Um, I, I hear all these commands and I, I just don't know. I, I just don't know. I mean, I feel encouraged when I read the text and I, I hear all you guys, you know, making fun of me and I feel encouraged by that, which is weird, but I know I'm going to leave and I'm going to face some of those relationships again and I just, I, I don't know. It's hard to remember Easter when the death is staring you in the face. Do you, do, were you guys supposed to remind me of something? Huh? Oh, that's right. At the beginning of the text, there was a therefore, right? And, and we got to remember that, that Romans wasn't divided into chapters initially, so the whole thing actually flows as one uh, consistent thought. And, and, and so before chapter 12, there's, there's what's before chapter 12, chapter uh, 11, yeah, chapter 11. And at the end of chapter 11, it says something. And I'm going to actually invite the band up, and we're going to take communion here in a minute. So if you're, if you're joining us online, would you grab the elements? And for those of you that are here in the room, if you would please, in the back of the seat in front of you, you'll find the elements. And go ahead and just take the top, the top part off and get the, get the bread ready. But we're going to remember the therefore, because all of the, the commands that we just heard, all of those calls, those, those principles and those, those practices, it, it all stems from a deep, deep truth. It's based in Jesus. Before he says therefore, he says this. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? And who has ever given to God that he should be repaid? 
For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Throughout the book of Romans, Paul, Pastor Paul is just consistently reminding us, Jesus is written, risen. It's written that Jesus is risen. And in light of the resurrection, we can live and move and have our being. We can be a people who find healing even in broken relationships. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives within you and within me. And so in this moment, we remember Jesus' death, his sacrifice, as well as his resurrection. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you take and eat and remember? And in the same way, he took of the cup, said, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Would you do this in remembrance of me? Would you take and drink? Lord Jesus, as we remember your love, your grace, your sacrifice, and your powerful resurrection, would you speak to us now in this moment as we sing together, as we sing about your healing and your power, would you allow for that truth to sink in so deeply that we see it saturating our thinking, even and especially those broken relationships that you might mend Jesus, we ask these things knowing that you love us, you're powerful to bring them about, so we entrust ourselves to you. Amen.